Hello everyone and welcome to the Middle East and North Africa Social Policy Network podcast series. We hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media. For more information, please visit our website at www.menasp.com. Welcome to the second podcast on the role of social policy in promoting human security in the MENA region. This was part of a roundtable organized by both the HCCA Thematic Group Human Security and the Early Career Researchers Initiative at the MENA Social Policy Network. My name is Tamara Cole, and together with Dr. Noor Alabas, I am an ECR representative. The podcast series consists of four parts. In each, we have one speaker presenting his or her thoughts on the topic. For this podcast, I would like to give the floor to Dr. Mahmoud Meskoup to share his thoughts. Dr. Mahmoud Meskoup is currently a senior research fellow at the ISS in The Hague. He has authored various publications on social policy, poverty and employment policies, unpaid household work and cash transfers. And in the past, he has also acted as a consultant to UN Esqua, ILO, the UN DESA and UNFPA. Da-dum, 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 da-dum. With that, I would like to thank Dr. Mahmoud Meskoup for sharing his thoughts. The presentation can also be found in the link. Thank you very much, Noor. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me to this uh, meeting and uh, thank uh, uh, Tamara, Noor, and Rana, all of them for organizing this, which is very helpful for me and also very helpful intellectually for development of social policy in the MENA. And thanks uh, to Des for setting uh, up the uh, the meeting uh, with the discussion of human security. Uh, my work on social policy has always had a human security approach implicit in it, not explicitly, because I have always been working with the uh, social policy through uh, uh, focusing on needs, having a rights-based approach, focusing on universal social provisioning, enhancing capabilities, all of them are subsumed under uh, this human security uh, approach that uh, this has uh, discussed uh, already. Uh, the other point I want to make is that at the beginning, my approach to social policy is very broad, and I only touch on the risk-based approach as part of the social protection. So I don't consider social uh, policy in the narrow focus of social protection, which is very common these days. Uh, to begin with, we have to move from social welfare, which is a mutual support uh, and mutual uh, aid, face-based charities, etc., to a state-led social policy, which is which is connected to the emergence of nation-state. So, social welfare goes beyond the social policy and doesn't does involve the state, but social policy is. Uh, a matter for the state. A state-organized support the, the, to individuals and households and f- uh, that forms part of the broad economic development agenda of diversification of an economy that requires a healthy and educated labor force and stable social environment. So social policy 
through the state contributes to development and at the end, a stable social environment, which was part of the discussion that just this uh, brought on the agenda. Now, it is a social contract between labor and capital, if you want to see it in that way, or citizen and state. So social policy with some human security objective and the important importance of the, this human security objective is its variability across countries. So when we, talk, we discuss human security, it is not the same across the world. And that is an important part of the social policy discussion. Next slide, please. Now, we have right social welfare and social policy. Social policy is societal, societal, and individuals and communities organize activities to achieve certain objectives. Whereas social, the social policy is about improving human welfare and meeting human needs, as well as being concerned with distribution of resources and assets. And this is important because this takes us away from social protection, which has a very, very narrow objective. And it's about developing capabilities uh, of individuals and contributing to economic and social life of a country. So social policy not only covers the provision of health and education, which are about promotion of human capability, but also laws, rules, regulations that protect human capability. So we are dealing with both developing human capabilities and also protecting. So social policy is more than social protection. Uh, if I move to the next slide, I, I prefer to go a bit faster because I will discuss some of these issues there. Now, if you come to social policy in the MENA region, the, the, the nation state and social policy was part of the nation building project. So we had the, the constitutional, uh, we moved from constitutional and political declaration to short social policies. And these are, I'm giving an example, Algeria, Iran, Egypt, and Tunisia. So wherever we had social movements, social upheavals, some kind of a revolution, these ideas of the social movement, social revolution, Work, them, work themselves into the constitution and political declarations. And they become part of the building, consolidating power based of ruling elite and military service, etc. So this second part of it is just some kind of a patronage, which is part of the social policy in the region. But seeing social policy in the region just as patronage in my view is not correct because we have constitutions, we have political declarations, all of which are coming from the street, if you like. However, social policy in the region is top-down. It's financed by all revenues, foreign aid by the oil-rich countries to the oil-poor countries in the region and from outside the region. Social policy is based on remittances, etc. But oil revenue have been very important in most oil, in all oil exporting countries and some of the countries which have not been oil exporters. Now, human development improvements in the region, it has been, there has been decline in maternal mortality, infant mortality, child mortality, 
there has been increase in life expectancy, improved educational outcomes like literacy, school attendance, uh, gender parity, etc. Now, we have human insecurity despite all this. First of all, we have the problem of economic cycle. Oil boom and bust, that has contributed to, uh, that will contribute to insecurity. And social policies uh, that combine promotive and protective functions, promotive health and education during the boom time, protection in the bust. Now in the region, we have had promotion to the health and education, but there's a protection, we have had problems because there has been a lack of shortage of uh, protection in the Boston. Social protection is variable across countries. For example, the, the social protection, we have got protection uh, for security in old age, disability, sickness, maternity, injury at work, unemployment, family allowance, et cetera, et cetera. We have a range of social protection in the region but they are very variable across the region. We also have got problems with regard to entitlement and coverage of social protection. We have, for most countries, in fact, perhaps for all of them, formal labor contracts are important for entitlement to unemployment benefit, for uh, entitlement to injury, et cetera, at work. Perhaps family allowance is not linked uh, to a formal uh, the contract in some, some countries, but even then that's very limited. We also have got issues to do with the migrants, displaced people in different countries who are not covered by any kind of a social protection, especially if they are illegal immigrants. Uh, if I consider the insecurity in terms of health, which is a central concern of human need theory and also important part of the human security, we have got here a percentage of GDP, which is low in, in the region and focuses on curative health. We have higher spending on expensive diagnostic curative health care, general neglect of primary and preventive health care, basic health services in the mid-income manner covers between 75 to 90% of the population. So coverage is not full. But remember that when we talk about population in the region, we talk about citizens. In some uh, Arab Gulf, Persian Gulf uh, countries, only 10% of the total population is citizen. The rest of them are immigrants. And if you are a poor immigrant, you are not covered by proper uh, health coverage, whereas the rich expatriates have got high coverage. We also have got out-of-pocket expenses, which are quite high uh, in mid-income. Uh, out-of-pocket expenses, which are, could be quite high, up to 80% in Yemen and 6% in Qatar, which is a small uh, gas-rich uh, uh, country. And in the middle, you have got about 40 to 60% of health expenditures out-of-pocket in a lot of mid-income countries like Algeria, Iran, uh, Morocco, Egypt. There is also a go back, please. <laughs> you jumped too fast. 
That's okay. Uh, you also have got rural-urban uh, divide in the region and the concentration of health services in urban areas. You have got neglect of low-income, low-status migrants, displaced people, refugees, ethnic minorities. And also you have a fragmentation of health insurance service provision. You have got a lot of private uh, interest in the both in the insurance and also in the provision of health services. So you can see that human security in the region is quite high. And just again, one example of health. If you could go on the next one. And there is an aspect to human security in, in the social policy uh, literature, uh, and that's human security over time, with regard to education, with regard to old age, and things that over time people said, needs change and also need to have the uh, the the, the uh, to take uh, note of this change over time with regard to skill development and capabilities education is one example of it that would enhance enhance capabilities reduce poverty if uh, you get a job after your education because most educated people would have better uh, the potential of being out of poverty, that's the, that is the evidence for, across the world. You will have entitlement or social protection through your employment, et cetera, et cetera. Now, percentage of GDP on education in the region is the same as similar countries with, uh, with the same GDP per capita, but the results in the region do not match the result in other countries of similar GDP per capita. Years of education attainment is low, school dropout rate is high, and scores on international tests are low, lower than compared with the, the, uh, the comparators. Now, higher unemployment of educated youth, which is a major problem in the region, and you have a low integrability, that is a mismatch of educated and poor in sectors where the jobs are. So jobs are created, but poor people and educated people cannot take advantage of them. And that's another major problem in the, in the region. When we come to welfare in old age, which is part of this human security over time, you have a formal sector employment being an important part of qualifying for pension in, in, in old age. The other issue which is not a problem for those people who get a pension is high replacement rate. Pension over salary, which is the replacement rate, in most middle countries is quite high, 80%. But in a, on average, OECD countries is 57%, or Middle income, Latin American, 50, 60, 70%. And that creates a problem in part because of budgetary the problem for the state and also for which is the major, the main provider of pension and cutting the pensions to the rest of the population and reducing the space to develop and enlarge the, uh, the, the pension scheme to others. And the final issue in the welfare in order age is this, that the region is aging very fast. The percentage of 65% plus in population doubles in Iran in 17 years' time. That is less than 20 years' time, population of the 65 plus will double. This took France 100 years. 
whereas France started with a higher base of economic and social and legal regulations to manage the financial system, the banking system, the pension system of the state, etc. Iran has to develop all these things in a matter of one generation, maybe 30 years. And other countries are not behind. So this is a very important thing in terms of security, human security over time and old age. The other major human security issue in the region is the reform of the subsidy structure from indirect subsidies to on goods, et cetera, to direct cash transfer subsidies. Now, this will create, this is needed, by the way, in the region, because the human, the, the indirect subsidies give more to the people who use the services, like, for example, to use goods and services, which are used by the richer people, like, for example, indirect subsidy to gasoline. So there is a need for it, but it creates new insecurities due to inflation, commitment to the cash transfer, and the lack of support services. For example, you need to develop the health service to cover more people at a lower out-of-pocket cost in order to replace indirect subsidies, say, to drugs, to cash transfer. So this is something which we have to bear in mind that cash transfer in absence of broader social policy agenda is going to create more uh, insecurity. Next one, please. Now, another long-term security issue is human security and sustainability. Environmental sustainability and social policy are very much linked. Uh, and I worked on a paper recently discussing the economic uh, policy and sustainability of social policy. And uh, two important issues came up in, in my work is that, first of all, GDP as a measure of development cannot be used in, in terms of long-term sustainability. On the other hand, we need growth, both for employment, no, go back please, growth for the, both employment, infrastructure, taxes, social policy. So if you talk about the GDP growth, which is needed for a lot of things that we need for human security, we need to discuss this growth. What, is, what this growth is going to be? On the other hand, sustainability has put on the agenda the idea that we cannot continue with this growth. We have to have some idea of degrowth, low growth strategy in order to be able to, to guarantee or at least to protect the future of uh, humanity and also the, the future of the current generation who are, very, who are young. So we need to discuss degrowth and low growth strategy in the context of what, for whom, how, and when we are going to produce things. What are we going to produce? For whom are we going to produce? How are it going to be done and when? And here we need to bring in the, need, uh, the theories of human needs and human security to discuss and negotiate and organize production and distributional choices. So human need and human security comes right into, into the center of sustainability of human social policy. Having discussed human security, we have to talk about female insecurity in the Yemen region. We cannot do it without discussing female insecurity. 
Let us uh, note that the human, the, the, the social policy that we have discussed so far have been focused on basic need aspect of human security, be limited social dialogue, be limited popular participation and democratic accountability. It has been a patronage and clientelist model, coverage based towards, biased towards military, civil service and formal sector. This patriarchal model has been based on male breadwinner and that by its very nature has created female insecurity, social welfare through male household head. The, the influence of Sharia law, which impinges on dress code, inheritance rights, divorce laws, child custody, etc. And if there, are, if there are no laws in terms of specifically against the women, you do you have a it, if you don't have a universal registration identity card system, as in Egypt, women access to social services and subsidized goods has to go through spouse and male kins. So this patriarchal model, which is partly cultural, partly religious, partly social, partly institutionalized, will discriminate against women. Another issue here, female employment concentrated in the informal sector. But as we know, the formal sector employment is required for a lot of the social the poli- uh, access to social uh, protection and social uh, policy measures. We also have got general low labor, female labor force participation and its concentration in informal sector and rural areas. We also have, on top of all these things, we have an informal security regime where people can't have a the support in the formal sector, they retreat into the family. If you don't have a health service cover, who will look after you? Non-state sector, families, charities, et cetera, and social, and they provide some kind of social provisioning, but women as being the main home carer and carrying the society base in general will bear the burden. And not, well, uh, and final issue on this subject is female headed household are overrepresented among the poor household. Now, the, I think the final, final slide. So we need to work towards human security. And historical experience shows that universal provision of health and education, public services of water, electricity, etc., have made the biggest impact on achieving human development goals. So Universal prohibition must be on the agenda. But poor and inadequate public services and lack of proper accountability by the politicians, civil servants, and civil servants has undermined universalist social policies. Basically, social provisioning has been undermined, both in terms of availability and also the lack of accountability. So as weakened, it has weakened or removed completely social contract between the state and citizens, further undermining legitimacy of a state-led social policy. Social protection and targeting the poor strategy has come on board now. So the state cannot provide it. So let's uh, target the, the, the limited budget we have and cut the total budget because the poor are not getting enough of it. So this will fail to achieve the universal objective of promotion and protection of human capability, which is linked to a development strategy, developmental strategy. Simply because the 
the targeting strategy has limited objectives. So we need to go back to the universalist social policy ideals of a development state, but within a democratic political environment that promotes genuine popular engagement and participation, as well as transparency and accountability in order to arrive at, it, at an inclusive and new social contract. Otherwise, we will not be able to achieve human security, especially in the middle of a pandemic and wars and upheaval that is engulfing the region. Thank you very much. For the next podcast, we will have Dr. Vali Aslam, who will discuss the topic from the perspective of international relations and highlights how COVID-19 can both be a challenge as well as a window of opportunity to realizing human security within the MENA. Join us then. Music